Thanks for listening to the show. Join us online at playvolutionhq.com and learn how to support the show at explorationsearlylearning.com slash support. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Kick back, settle in, and let us fill your ear holes with early learning information, wisdom, and advice. And now, here's Heather and Jeff. Hey, here's part two of our interview with Beth Wolf talking about how she got a little bit more renegade in her family child care program. So what would you recommend to people, um, and this could be just a, a mom or dad, you know, just a family level, or it could be at the provider or classroom level. If, if they're thinking of, of trying something but they're feeling kind of nervous about it, um, how, how would you give them confidence that, yeah, you can, you can try to make some of these changes. The world will not fall apart. I guess I would tell them that to just follow the lead of their kids because kids naturally are not going to do, I mean, they're not going to jump from the highest branch of the tree. They know kids are smarter than, than we give them credit for when it comes to physical safety or personal safety and risk-taking. You know, there are those that we all have to keep our eye on, of course. There's always the, you know, the, the one child that is not going to get it. But I would just tell any provider or teacher to just step back, trust yourself, and trust the kids in your program. And that's a big thing. Trust is huge, and I think it's been running the other direction for a long time. <laughs> and if it makes you feel any better, you said you'd kind of forgotten along the way since you were raising your own kids and things had gotten more rigid and all the messages you'd been hearing. I mean, we need to give ourselves a break that if we've ended up in a place we're not comfortable with, it, it, it's been a, a battle to get us there. I mean, when I was first researching It's Okay Not to Share, I went back and visited the School for Young Children that the book's philosophy is largely based on, and I had forgotten that they actually did boxing there, <laughs> which, um, you know, I had done it myself as a kid, and I, right. I, but I had forgotten, and so I think we all do get, as the years go by, we forget certain things, and maybe we remember some, but we forget others, so it's important to continually... Um, immerse ourselves either with a mentor or revisiting something or remembering what you did as a kid and how you felt at different times to, to stop getting that adult amnesia. Yeah. Yes. And it's so empowering for me when I see a child that, like today, for example, I have a, a two-year-old who has been just dying to be able to climb up the monkey bar ladder and touch that monkey bar. And I mean, he's been working all winter and spring on this. This has been his goal. And every day I go over there and I stand by the monkey bar and I say, well, what do you think? Owen, are you feeling, are you feeling safe? Like that's okay. Yep. And I'll say, well, you want me to go one more? Some days he'd tell me no. And other days he'd tell me yes. And today he climbed up the whole thing 
grabbed that top monkey bar, and I'm like, how's that? He said, this is good, Bethy, this is good. <laughs> so we wow. just really have to follow their lead and be there. I mean, so many people, and that's what just drives me bonkers about this, they just are like, kids, you can't trust a child. And it just drives me nuts. And I tell them all the time, you know, I've got parents that will come in and they'll say, okay, I've been here for 10 minutes and you've had that toy that whole time. You need to give it to them. And I just look them right in the face and say, oh, by the way, the keys are in my car. I'm going to be in town later tonight, so I'll just bring yours. (laughs) (laughs) And they give me the funniest look, and I'm like, you can't force your child to share or take turns if you're not willing to do that. Well, they have to learn. I'm like, they do learn how to take turns. They're empathetic to each other. They understand that somebody else wants a turn with a toy, but they also have the right to finish their turn. Yeah, and that process of educating the parent rather than the kid, the kids get it, um, probably takes more than just one conversation, does it? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I, I do things in my program, like I have a couple of, Oh, like three different family activities a year. And so there's lots of times that I have groups of the parents standing around and I can, I can jump in and, and we can talk about what's going on. And then I have one um, that's just a parent appreciation night where my husband and I cook the, the parents a really nice meal and, and we serve it to them and we have, we pair different wines with each course. And, and that's a really good time. Because they don't, they can just say what they're thinking without watching their kids. You know, they're not like, oh, my child is being so naughty over there. You know, they can just talk without having the worry of watching their kids. And that's where a lot of our conversation comes out. And that's where, you know, I just hit home all the time. You guys, we have to respect these kids. And you, if it feels wrong in your gut when you say a word to your child, If you're telling them no and you're thinking in your head, oh, why am I telling them no? Like, you have to figure out how to say yes. I I think for for listeners that are are looking on maybe jumping into the journey Beth has been on, the whole idea of spending time with parents with food and beverages – discussing these things can be can be very valuable because i mean we are we are still hunter gatherers and we like to gather around the campfire and 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 eat and talk together and share stories and experiences and so i mean you can try sending stuff out in in newsletters and those kind of things but those real conversations around food and drink are where where you make a lot of those connections and where you you really impart a lot of understanding that way too right right so what sort of changes have you seen in, in the kids um, since you've, you've uh, adopted some of these renegade ways? What, changes in their play or changes in behavior? Or... I see kids that are very empathetic at an earlier age. Like they know where the ice packs are located. If we're outside, we have a, a refrigerator outside and they know where the ice pack is. If we're inside, if somebody gets hurt, I've got five kids running for an ice pack. Um, I think that they're, they're much 
much more willing to take turns and they're much more willing to wait a turn because they trust each other that, okay, when they're done with that jump rope, they're going to come find me and tell me. Because, you know, those are things like if, if one gets done and throws the jump rope down, I'll say, oh, wait a minute, so-and-so wanted to be next. And they're like, oh, yeah, you're right, you know, and they run and they get them and they give them the jump rope or whatever the toy is. Um, I, I see kids that are much more willing to trust each other. I see friendships, which is interesting to me because I have a mixed age group, I see friendships beginning at a younger age, you know, when the books say that perhaps they should still be in parallel play, they're actually way past that. So, I don't know, maybe I'm crazy, but I, I, that's what I see. It's like, wow, they should not be doing that at age 2 or 18 months, and they are coming up with, ideas for play and they're, you know, sharing their ideas and, and the whole, you say this and then I'll be the mom and I'll say this, that starts at a much younger age. I wonder if that's connected with that deeper level of trust you talked about. Because yeah. parallel play, it is developmental, but it also has to do with, I'm not quite sure about you, so I'm going to keep my distance exactly. my own thing. Right. There's a lot of trust in that. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Well, those are wonderful changes. And and what changes have you noticed in yourself? I mean, I'm just wondering if you're feeling um, how you feel at the end of the day versus how you did um, before the before these changes. Well, <laughs> I'm still just as tired at the end of the day. Perhaps because of my age, I'm a little bit more tired. I I need more time to recoup. It used to be go from work right to my evening activities with no problem. I need more time now because they are so active. But I also noticed that I'm a much happier person. I laugh a lot more. Um, I I tend to remember to, like, smile more. I think that... I was letting the the huge thought of, oh, my gosh, I have these kids entrusted to me and I can't mess it up. I think that I let that overwhelm me a bit. So I, I do a lot more laughing and smiling. And life with Beth Wolf is a lot more enjoyable. <laughs> is, that, is, well, is, is that a quote from your husband? <laughs> well, it could be. <laughs> Depends upon the day. <laughs> well, Beth, one of the things that, you know, all the burnout stuff that I do, one of the things that I, I, I really notice is that when you make that mind shift from saying no all the time to allowing yourself to say yes, it really does impact your mindset because we take on this this no mindset where where no, 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 you say that a hundred times a day and you start, that that becomes your mindset on life. And when you let go of that, and start saying yes to stuff. It it does provide pre- present a an opportunity for a subtle shift in your in your mindset that does lead to more smiles and more happiness. And, yes. and it's something yes. I hear from people on a regular basis as we as we deal with the the burnout thing. And so not only are the kids benefiting from from 
us as caregivers being able to quit saying no so much and and kind of lighten up about some things, our own minds, our, our own mindset shifts. I would totally agree. Yes. I was just well, listening. is it time to talk about sheep now? No, I was just listening to the background noise. <laughs> I just walked into the kitchen. I've been kind of hanging out in the living room and peeking my head around. And there's three of them that were laying across their chairs eating their bread. It's like, well, okay, you're eating. <laughs> I, I just realized I missed that a little bit. It's been 2000, <laughs> since 2013 since we closed our program, and this is the first time I've actually missed it for a minute. Um, I'll get yeah. over I'll get over it because I was exhausted. But um, I had one other question, Beth, about about the whole. You, you said you over the years you, you felt you like got off track. Is part of that because there's this systemic push from the schools to be more school like, and so centers try to make the preschool program look like kindergartens, and family child care programs try to make their programs look like the preschool programs, the center-based programs that are trying to look like the kindergarten. And so it's like this whole idea of a, like a more rigid mindset just kind of subtly gets pushed down into programs. Absolutely. Oh yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, a few years ago when I was going through, um, the Eckers or the, the Fecker's observation thing and you get all this grant money and they want you to buy this shelving unit and this shelving unit and you can have a block unit and you can have a kitchen and that's, I mean, you just totally fall into that. And yes, when my, when my kids were little and, and they had their play space, we did that organically mm-hmm. because we did not necessarily want all their stuff all over my house. So we did that organically. But it certainly, I noticed, probably, I would say it probably started in the late 90s and has just snowballed. And and I'm always talking on on Facebook about pushing back on the pushdown because it's like, okay, just these families choose family daycare or a center because they... They like the philosophy, and that's what's important is the philosophy of a program, not whether they, you know, look like the best Reggio, Montessori, academic, however, whatever the parent's preference is, not because it looks like the best one. It needs to feel like what's best for your kids. And that's all the relationships between the people, between the adults and the kids. Yep. One other question I had is, has, has the stuff in your program changed? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I uh, definitely narrowing down on toys. I don't need so many toys because they would rather have a stack of wooden spools and red Solo cups than, you know, so condensing toys has really changed. Um Pushing back on the plastic, I think that that's, you know, that was something that you kind of have seen the whole circle of gamut going through. Realizing that I don't have to have a doll for every child in my program. And regardless of what some observations tell me as far as needing to have two stuffed animals or whatever for every kid, I really don't. 
you know, the kids tell me what they need, and if I see that they're not playing with the babies, I'll put them away for a while, where I never used to do that. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I always need to have housekeeping area set up. I always need to have a block area, and now it's not so much that. Now it's, okay, what are they playing with? Those are the toys we'll have out. Right. And if they want something else, it's open the closet door and let's get it. Right. Yeah, one one uh, question I hear a lot of people ask is, to support a child's play or a group of kids playing, what do you need for your game? You know, maybe there's an object that would be useful that you can help supply, like a cardboard box or whatever it might be. But what do you need? What can I help bring to you to help support the game you're already in the midst of? Right. Yeah, well, I missed that very last part, Heather. I'm sorry. The giggling got, took over. <laughs> too, too funny in the back. Um, you know, how can I support your game? And what, yes. The cardboard box, what is it that I can do to support your play right now? Right. What do yes. you need? Mm-hmm. And that's the that's hear me so, say those words where I never used to say those words. I never used to say, what do you need? What can I get for you? It used to be, oh, look what Bethy got you over the weekend. Here you go. Here's how you play with this. Let me show you. Ah! (laughs) You know? So it's not that way anymore. It's, what do you need? I mean, if if I see something cool, am I going to pick it up? Absolutely. But it's going to sit someplace, and they're going to discover it. It's not going to be, look what I got you. Or it's going to sit up, and then when they say, like, just this last week now, I had, we've been reading this book called Rabbit's Colors, and it's about a little rabbit that jumps in three different colors of paint. And we've been reading this book for probably two months, and she loves it. And about two weeks ago, she said, I wish I had a white rabbit. And I'm like, Oh, my gosh. Okay. So every time I would go someplace that might have a white rabbit, yes, you may. Not yet. Be patient. Um, I would say, or I would look for a white rabbit, and they'd be like twelve ninety seven. Well, I'm not going to buy six or eight rabbits at twelve ninety seven. But the other day I scored 98-cent white rabbits <laughs> that were about five inches long. Perfect. Threw them on the table. Yesterday morning with three different bowls of, of watercolor and let him go. I would not have done that. I would not have been able to have heard that child's cue that she needed to try this had I not made these changes in my program. So I would have said something like, oh, I wish we all, you know, we all would like to have some things and maybe one day you'll get one. I, you know, that's how I would have responded it. You, you, you didn't try real rabbits? Say that again, Jeff. You, 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 didn't, you didn't try real rabbits? You didn't try painting with real rabbits? <laughs> no, I did not. But <laughs> I would suppose, you know, if I could catch one, that would be a good... Let's go brush your teeth. That would be a good um, thing to try. I, I think I could probably get by with trying some... Uh, yeah, I think the stuffed one was probably... Sheep! Yeah, yeah, lambs after maybe. their wool grows out and turns, you know, and is white. I think I could get by with that. That would be darling. I, I can't they wait might to not, see... The, the sheep might not fit in the little bowls that you got. No, yeah. it would be kind of a dunk, yeah. I think. Well, I stock, think we'd have stock to tanks. dunk them. 
or pour it on them. Yeah, I can't wait but to I see those pictures on Facebook. But I do have a little white dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, Beth, I think your story just gives so much power and courage to other grown-ups who are sort of in that space you described of feeling things aren't quite right and how did I get to be saying no so much and what can I do to change because the the um, the change does bring a lot of peace of mind to everybody. Um, yes. Hearing from you, not just from the person who wrote the book, but hearing from you that, yes, this can work and it and, and you're happier and the kids play is amazing. So it's, thank you so much for you know, sharing yes. what a renegade you are. <laughs> Well, thank you for inviting me to be on. I truly enjoyed the time. And I know my kids did, too, because of a lunchtime with Bethy just peeking around the corner. They just totally had a blast. <laughs> all right, well, and they all still ate, and all the food on the table is gone, so I know that they did just fine without me. Excellent. Excellent. Well, tell, tell the sheep hi for us, and uh, anybody driving through Oaks, North Dakota, stop by and hang out with Beth. By the way, Oaks is an awesome little town. Kids still walk to school. It's beautiful. I love spending a little bit of time in Oaks. This has been Renegade Rules. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing the show. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. And... Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Music by Alexander Shoemaker. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.